how to maintain hope and belief when you're consistently losing. The biggest lessons that he learned from two of the best NFL head coaches. How his spinal injury that ended his career in an instant actually turned into a positive thing. How to get back up quickly after terrible news and so much more coming right up. This is episode number 489 with former Buffalo Bills Pro Bowl Center, current Bills radio analyst and host of the Centered on Buffalo podcast, Eric Wood. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Best You Podcast with me, your host, Nick Carrier. At Best You, we exist to help individuals who are hungry for growth get closer to the best version of themselves so that they can live meaningful and impactful lives. Are you somebody who really wants to improve your health, but you're a little bit overwhelmed with all that life is throwing at you? Are you somebody who knows that they want to feel better, they want to look better in their own skin, they want to be more confident in their bodies, and you want to be a good role model for those around you? If so, then you need to get access to my brand new video course called The Three Steps to Losing Fat and Building Muscle. You're going to get a grocery list, a week's worth of workouts, and a list of healthy snacks and sweets to choose from. You can get all of that for absolutely free today by going to nickcarrier.com. Y'all, today's show is absolutely fire. I'm super pumped to introduce you to Eric Wood. Eric is the former Buffalo Bills Pro Bowl Center where he played for nine consecutive years. Eric is currently a Bills radio analyst and host of two different podcasts. The first one is the Centered on Buffalo podcast, and he has his own show called What's Next with Eric Wood. Eric's story is going to both inspire you and allow you to really relate with him at such a high level. After the Bills finally ended their playoff drought in 2017 in magical fashion, after one of Eric's best seasons himself, he got a phone call that ended his career in an instant. And I can't wait for you to hear all about it. So without further ado, here's to getting closer and closer to your best you with the one and only Eric Wood. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Best You Podcast. Today, I am super fired up to be joined by the one and only Eric Wood. Eric, just want to start off by saying thanks for spending time with me today, man. Yeah, my pleasure. Looking forward to this one. Yeah, man, no doubt. No doubt. Well, I first gained wind of you from David Nurse. I can't remember if he had you on podcast or mentioned your book in his newsletter or what it was, but I got your book at the end of 2022, Taco What's Next, and I read it in probably four or five days over Christmas and just absolutely loved it. So I know I'm super excited to get in a lot of the stuff that you talk talk about in there. And I'm really excited to talk about kind of your, the pivot point of getting the phone call about the injury and everything and moving on from that. But before I kind of dive into that story, I know that you were with Buffalo for nine straight years, right? Last year being in, in 2017. And you were basically every single year you guys didn't make it to the playoffs, and you were able to be a part of this that special team that last year who finally broke that long drought of making it to the playoffs. And so my question is, is going into every single new season, what level of belief or what level of hope did you guys have as a team to make the playoffs that year? Is it one of those things where every time, every season at the beginning of the year, you're like, this is the year we've got it? Or did you have a lack of hope? Tell, tell, tell me a little bit about that. It may have been naive especially early in my career, because early in my career, you did not have to spend a certain amount of salary cap. This There was no spending floor. Now there is in the NFL. 
Each mm. team has to spend a certain amount of the salary cap. We were one of the least spending teams in the NFL early in my career. Now it's the opposite. The Bills will spend over the cap if given the opportunity, converting uh, contracts, the signing bonuses, and all that. So the Bills are in a great spot now. When I first got with the Bills, that was not necessarily the case. We were a small market team and we were small spenders. But I'm looking around and I see all this talent on our team. And there was never a season where I went into thinking that we are not going to break the playoff drought this year. And you talk about the nine seasons I was with the Bills. Eight of those, we didn't make the playoffs. We did my final year. Well, that was the longest playoff drought in all of pro sports. And so call it blind optimism. Call it me being naive, but each and every season you'd go in thinking, man, this is a team. This is a talented team. And we were close so many times. And those uh, those graphics that they'll show on the major networks, the in the hunt graphics, like that haunts me because for so <laughs> many years we were in the hunt, but we just never got over the hump. Mm. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I think I've heard that from people before where you're going into the season where maybe fans on the outside are like that team – doesn't have a chance or maybe it's a fighting chance but I really think you don't know the level of your team's ability and talent until you stack yourself up against somebody else and I think that's kind of an important lesson for for all of us is we need to make sure that we voluntarily step into challenge so that we can kind of see where we level up at at our current level of ability because then we can kind of identify where our weak spots are and, and maybe where our strong spots are and then adjust accordingly. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And and I could look back and break them down individually, and I won't. But throughout each season, there was a reason for hope the next year, whether it was off-season moves that were made, whether it was injured guys where we had a winning record that were then going to be coming back the following year, whether it was a coaching change. We bring in a big personality like Rex Ryan, and we're going to add him to the mix. And now we're going to have uh, this incredible defense, and we had a great offense the year before, so of course we're going to be great this year. And it never quite stacked up, but there was never a lack of optimism. And yeah. you know they do a great job of selling it too, because you got to sell tickets before the season starts too. So there was always a feeling of optimism. But I'll say this, and this is specific to the NFL. This kind of breaking away from our previous point. Without a great quarterback, and I guess this could relate to business or anything you're in. Without a quarterback, without that CEO type that's leading the team, if you don't have an elite quarterback, you have to be so great everywhere else to be able to be productive in this league and be able to make the playoffs, make a run in the Super Bowl. We've seen it happen, but it, it doesn't happen often. Once you get that quarterback, like the Bills with Josh Allen now have so much more room for error because yeah. they have that guy. Mm, yeah, that's so true. So true. And uh, last question on this, because I feel like it's a question you probably get relatively regularly, but I still believe it's worth asking is did was there a different feeling or different sense of belief going into that ninth year that you had going into that season or, and kind of like what separated that team do you feel like I'll say it was a different feeling and it was a feeling maybe about the least amount of optimism I had heading into a season because that training camp we traded away our top three draft picks from the previous three drafts It was a totally new regime that came in, and everyone thought the Bills were tanking. We had just hired a new GM, a new head coach. We have new ownership. The Bills are going to tank. They're going to try and get the number one pick. Well, that's the team that gets over the hump. So what was different about that team? Well, one, we won early, so that gave us confidence. Mm -hmm. You know, For those out there that are looking to take some personal development cues from this podcast, win your day early, and then the rest of your day will stack up. Win the beginning of the year, the beginning of the month, and start stacking wins. That's part of the title of my book is Stacking Wins. When you stack wins early, whether that's workouts, 
whether that's nutrition, I'm talking from an NFL perspective, and then winning practices. Then you start winning games. Oh, shoot, now we can do this. We can be the team to break this drought. And Sean McDermott was just so um, calming. He's so consistent. He's an incredible leader. He wrote the foreword for my book, and he's one of the men I look up to most in this world, and it's his consistency on a daily basis. But he just continually said, we either win the game or we learn. The only way we lose is if we don't learn. And Mm -hmm. so we took that mindset, this continuous growth mindset throughout the season, and then that's the team that breaks the drought. Yeah, that that I do remember reading that in your book that you – kind of a lot of people were thinking that you guys might be tanking at the beginning of the year. So that's that's kind of funny to hear that. And like you said, I think it is super important to get small wins early on, to stack those wins. I'm a Titans fan living here in Nashville. And I remember the first game of the year, we played the New York Giants. And I was like, oh, this is going to be an easy win. Hopefully we should get 1-0. and And then the Giants win, and that builds a little momentum. And then they had the season that they ended up having. So that was huge for them. But enough about that. I could talk about uh, football all day long. i Love me some good football, but I kind of want to address the the injury and the pivot and such. And so, basically, at the end of that season that you guys made it to the playoffs, you guys lost to Jacksonville ten to three. And then the next day, you guys usually always have to do a physical to kind of cap off the season. But right after that game, your son your son was getting ready to be born on the upcoming Wednesday. You know, you knew in, in time that it was going to be Wednesday. You weren't sure. You knew it was going to be really soon. You're like, I just knew, I just want to get back to my wife. I want to get back to the birth of my child. Let me get out of here. Let's not do the MRI. But they're like, no, you got to do it. You got to do it. And the cool thing about you is you were the only player on the team who played 100% of the snaps um, for throughout the entire year. And maybe, uh, was that the entire NFL or just the team? No, there'd be a few guys that would have done it guys. throughout okay. the entire season throughout the NFL. But, you know, defensive players generally rotate in and out. Offensive players besides the quarterback and the offensive line generally rotate in and out. So it's got to be one of those guys. Um, And you could be beating a team too bad, so they take the quarterback out. You're losing too bad, so they take the quarterback, maybe some other guys out. That year we played a lot of close games, so we never took out certain starters to rest them throughout the year. And obviously the injury rate in the NFL is 100%. Some you can just play through and some you can't. And so let me back up on that story just for a second, and I appreciate you doing your homework the way you did because now I don't have to tell uh, all the details of it uh, again but you know I came into the I came into college with just one scholarship offer I didn't even start on my high school football team as a junior and then I end up being a first round draft pick to the Bills get to play my entire career with the Bills prior to that 2017 season I signed a contract extension with the Bills everyone thought we were tanking and right before our third preseason game I signed a contract extension with the Bills because in my mind If they made the playoffs, if they broke that drought and I wasn't there, that would feel to me like I let down the city, let down the organization as a first round draft pick, play my entire career there. Then I move on. And that, that to me, it was just unsettled. It didn't feel right. And so I signed a contract extension. So in my mind, everything is great. We just make the playoffs. We're going to build on this. We have a top 10 pick. We're going to draft a quarterback likely. That becomes Josh Allen. I was extended to likely be his center, to be a mentor presence up front for him. And so I got the news in the delivery room while we're waiting on the birth of our child that my career is over. Like, there's a lot of people in the NFL that don't necessarily love football. Like, it's a job for them. They're super talented. And that's what they do for a living. I'm not saying they don't work hard. They just don't necessarily love football. I love football. I still do. I love football. 
I call games for a living now and I'm around sports media because I love sports and I love football. And so to me, to get that news that my career was over, that even with surgery, even with treatment, there was no possible return. It floored me. And, and I didn't get it because I had done the Joe Theismann leg break. I had torn my ACL. I broke my other leg on Monday Night Football. I had countless injuries that made me miss games. This neck injury, having disc and bones sitting into my spinal cord at C2, C3, which they weren't sure why it hadn't affected me more that I would have known, wouldn't have known that it was there. To me, it didn't make sense. Like I've had to battle back from injuries and now I have something I don't even need surgery on and it's going to take away my career. But as a man of faith um, and, and surrounded by just incredible friends and family, I got to see a lot of blessings too within all of this. And, and look, Nick, I would have played till the wheels fell off. You know, there would be no me playing pickleball now and golf and playing with my kids and coaching sports. I would have played till the wheels fell off. How could I retire now? The Bills have been on the verge of making a Super Bowl these last few years. I would have just kept playing and playing. You're going to get keep getting beat up, and and I likely probably would have played too far. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of actually one of the questions I wanted to ask was, oftentimes we see professional athletes have to really debate mentally whether or not they want to retire or another season or like Brett Favre classically, Tom Brady recently. And oftentimes if you just have your hand forced to make the decision, then you don't have any other option. And then like, as you kind of identified, there were probably some unforeseen kind of blessings in that, in that if you continue to play, who knows what kind of injury potentially could have happened and you might have played until the wheels fell off because you love the game so much. So talk to us a little bit further about the unforeseen maybe blessings or benefits that the forced decision had on you. Yeah, so you bring up a great point there. And the Brett Favre's and the Tom Brady's, those are very public because they're absolute superstars. But I have so many buddies that have no intentions of playing in an NFL season. And then midway through the next year, someone gets hurt. Hey, are you still in shape? They go out and do it again. They're a shell of their old self. But you know what? It's it's like a fix. And, yeah. you know, you got to go back to it. And, you know, you know, it's not going to pay you as much. And you got to leave your family and you're going to be away from them. But you know what? I'm, I'm going to go back and give it one more go. Maybe I can get my Super Bowl ring. Maybe I can make that Pro Bowl this year. And there's always that lore back in. So, yes, that was 100% a blessing. And I, I, I do daily gratitude practices, and those were valuable for me as I was transitioning out and constantly thinking of the blessings that had been bestowed upon me. I mean, I signed a contract extension before the season. I was the second highest paid center in the league sitting on my couch in 2018. And I got, I had so many people reach out to me in the national media that allowed me to hop right into media when I was done playing and have a, have a, a career that could, that could fulfill me and that I was excited about. I uh, just had the birth of my son, two healthy children. We had just built a house in Louisville that we were planning on being in about 50% of the time. And now we're there all the time. And we had just built it. It was completed. We have this beautiful house to move back into. And so there was countless blessings that that came about from this, to me at the time, catastrophic event. In, in the grand scheme of things, I know uh, many people go through much worse circumstances, but to me, that wrecked me at the time. And so there was countless blessings. And in, in oftentimes in life, we are going to grow the most. We're going to learn the most. We're going to be mature. We're going to be complete, persevering through the toughest times of our life. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I, I want to bring up the fact that you 
when you got the call and you knew you weren't going to be able to play anymore, you started broadcasting really quickly because you kind of saw this window of opportunity to a certain extent. And I kind of want to address that from a different, a couple of different angles. And I want to bring up when you first got into the league, you were a guard and you had a center named Jeff Handgartner. I'm not sure if I have that right. Jeff Handgartner. But he said something that was really valuable and powerful to you was, you know, Eric, like when if you screwed up on a block and somebody beat you and, and you would complain about it or whatever, he would say, you know, Eric, those guys get paid too. They're going to beat you sometimes. It's okay, but you can't let one bad play compound into more bad plays. And so I want you to kind of come at it from the mindset of recovering quickly, but then also kind of the practical of it's really important to get back up because of the potential like window of opportunity that you had. Right. So for me in my life, as I was looking at my next steps, if I wanted to hop into sports media, I was likely going to have to go quick. Like I was a pro bowler in Buffalo and I was a big deal in Buffalo. But in the national landscape, I played for a team that lost my entire career in Western New York, the smallest, second smallest market in the league. We played in two primetime games outside of Thursday night football games in my entire career. So it's not like everyone was saying, who's this Eric Wood guy? We can't wait to give him the 10-year, $375 million deal with Fox that Tom Brady got. For me, it was going to be about getting in quickly and kind of capitalizing off of the recency of my career. And so I took action immediately. And for those out there, look, I I didn't have a broadcasting degree. I didn't go to Syracuse or Northwestern where many broadcast uh, uh, majors and and people come out from. I, I had done nothing with it before, but I took a leap and took a step into it. Now, five years later, I'm still in that line of work and it fulfills me. So for those listening out there, don't be afraid to take those steps. Even if you don't feel fully equipped at the time, you can learn as you go, but if you Mm -hmm. never take that step, there's going to be regret along the way that you didn't step into it in those moments. And then in regards to the Jeff Hangardner comment, which, which I love in, in, I, Throughout my career, I had to remind myself that is because if you get to that level, you're likely hyper competitive. No one should ever beat you. And as an offensive lineman, you could be too many times you're going to lose your job. As a defensive lineman, you could have two good plays a game and be a Hall of Famer. And so (laughs) as an offensive lineman, you have to regroup quickly because if you get out of your mindset and you're not performing optimally because you had one bad play, it's going to crush you. Well, let's say you have a bad day at work. You miss a sales call. You say, I can't do the next one. You're you're afraid to call the next person. Well, that's going to crush you. One missed sale, one missed workout will not. Yeah, man, that, I, I've never, I never thought about it from the standpoint of if you're a defensive lineman, you're going to have a couple of good plays a game and be a Hall of Famer. That's, it's so true, too. That's so true. People used to joke that if you're going against a really, really good defensive lineman, just let them have one sack early in the game, and they'll probably shut it down because they did their day's work. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Um, okay, well, one of the things to, to kind of stay on football a little longer is I know that you know the popular topic in football is – head injuries and the health of players. And that's such a big concern in the, in the league. And they're doing a lot of different things to help protect players so that things like CTE and, and brain trauma don't present themselves as frequently or as severely. And I know that after you finished playing, you went to Dr. Daniel Amen for, uh, for about six months and you agreed to kind of the six month program and you did a lot of different things and you were able to dramatically heal your brain in a large way through that. I want you to talk us a little bit about kind of what you learned from a brain health standpoint from doing that program and then some of your most important kind of like brain health habits that you continue to implement on a regular basis. 
We'll be back to the interview in just a second, but first I wanted to share some words from a participant of the 10-week transformation. At BestU, we started running the 10WT back in January of 2020 and have since had 313 people and counting go through it. They've seen their bodies get stronger than ever before, they've seen the stubborn fat finally come off, and they've seen their habits dramatically improve. And honestly, more than anything, they've seen their self-confidence skyrocket. If you want to learn more about the 10-week transformation, then you can go to nickcarrier.com slash 10WT. That's nickcarrier.com slash the number 10WT. We'll get back to the show in just a second, but first, here's what they had to say. I started the 10-week transformation um, purely out of FOMO from some of my workout buddies wanting to do it, and I didn't want to be left out. You know, I didn't really go into it with a plan, but once I completed my first session, I came out of it with so many different positive impacts that it had on my life that when I went into the second and the third, I had even more goals that I wanted to accomplish. You know, the 10-week transformation not only improved my lifestyle, but it improved my family's lifestyle. Everybody in the fitness industry or just everybody in general is always wanting some kind of secret sauce. And I think one of the things that I have found to be most beneficial to me during these last 30 weeks is that it's not a secret sauce. It all has to depend on what you want to do and what you want to accomplish. The 10-week transformation obviously has wonderful workouts because anything with Nick and working out is great. But what it really brings to the forefront is the accountability and how just making small changes can make such a big impact on your life and those around you. Um, You know, I really do believe that this has been transformational for me and for my family, and I just could not, I could not endorse it more. Yeah, that's an excellent question. So um, when I went and saw Dr. Raymond, he revealed what I assumed and that I had traumatic brain injury from playing football since I was nine years old. That's going to happen. But my mom dealt cards for a living and she has carpal tunnel in both wrists. She has a bad back from sitting all day. My stepdad was a fireman. He, his back's destroyed. My dad was in the moving business. His back's destroyed. There, Anything you do repetitively, us staring yeah. into this screen is going to be bad for us. You know, there's going, there's, there's health risks with anything you do and anything you do repetitively is going to have some detrimental effects. Well, in football, affecting your brain is, is about as bad as it gets, but that, that was something I was willing to accept uh, based upon me being able to play the sport that I love, create generational wealth for my family and have those experiences, relationships. That's something I was willing to accept at the time, but anything I can do to alleviate that, alleviate that after the fact, I wanted to attack. And so I got connected with Dr. Daniel Amen, who, in my opinion, is the best brain doctor in the world. And by the grace of God, I mean, it's it's crazy how the world works when you try and connect people at all times, how you become connected yourself. And so a friend connected me to Dr. Amen himself. I flew out and saw him. We did the spec scans and it revealed blood flow issues in, in different parts of my brain. So we did hyperbaric oxygen chamber. We did um, different uh, supplements, nutrition wise obviously not taking any more shots to the head helps. And so um, combining all those things after a six month protocol was, it was, it was staggering to see how much the blood flow had improved in my brain. And so my kind of top hacks 
or per se on brain health would be one, there is power in hyperbaric oxygen therapy. If you're someone who suffers from TBI, look for somewhere locally that has a spot. And, and, and when I'm talking, this isn't something you necessarily have to even do daily. Now I have one in my house and I try to do it daily now, but I was prescribed 50 treatments over a six month period. That's an hour of time for, for six months. So it's not a it's not going to crush your schedule to add that in, but it can have some incredible benefits. Any types of foods, um, I, I, I love reading uh, Max Lugavere. Uh, he wrote a book called Genius Foods, and it's a number of foods, and they're likely foods that you could think of yourself that that help promote brain healing and neurogenesis. And neurogenesis has been proven to take place until the day you die. We used to think that after the age of 25, your brain just slowly declines. Well, it can if you live the standard American diet and you live a sedentary lifestyle and don't take care of yourself. But we have seen now that neurogenesis, the healing of your brain, improvement of your brain can happen up until the day you die. So these foods would include salmon and blueberries, uh, certain meats, lean protein is is great for brain health, certain fruits and vegetables, in in eggs, uh, the choline in eggs, especially, I don't want to say undercooking the yolks, but not cooking the yolks all the way through, just incredible benefits for your brain. But like anything, Nick, it's not doing one thing solves the rest. It's right. the combination. And then it's not like the next day you're going to wake up and say, man, I feel incredible. I did all the stuff I had to do for Dr. Amon yesterday. I feel incredible. But after six months, you're going to feel the difference. And, and so I would recommend anyone to check out his work. Uh, Max Lugavere is great as well. Uh, all of his work is uh, surrounded around honoring his mother who passed um, and had early onset dementia before she passed and trying to figure out ways to help others in that situation. Mm, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. If you don't know who Dr. Daniel Amen is, you got to look him up. He's definitely one of the top the top probably brain expert in the yeah, world. and he's be- uh, he's become a lot more famous now too since working with the K- Kardashians and Justin Bieber and all of them My- Miley Cyrus exactly yeah so yeah. He's, he's really blown up uh which is great like yeah. the more messages like Daniel's Dr. Daniel Amons to get out there the better yeah no doubt no doubt there's one thing I actually remember that I wanted to touch on really quickly remind me again when did you start your podcast I started it in 2019. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So a couple of years after you you retired, or you were forced to retire. I yeah, guess. it was about it was a it was a little over a year after, and so okay. early 2018, I got the news that my career ended, and then early 2019, the podcast started. Gotcha, awesome, awesome. Well, y'all need to make sure you go check out his podcast. What's next with Eric Wood? But I wanted to kind of change tunes just a little bit to something that I feel like probably impacted you a ton as you were young and really formed you to be the person that you are today. When you were three years old, you had a a little brother born with cerebral palsy. And when you were 14 years old, he was 11 and and passed away. And his case was was pretty severe. But now you have a foundation that raises money in in honor of him. So I kind of want to just ask you a general question of what do you feel like how did that experience of, of kind of growing up with a brother with these conditions, how do you feel like that changed you and transformed the kind of person that you are? Yeah, I appreciate you bringing this up. So for me as a kid, like my parents did such a good job of making sure me and my other brother who was born three years after Evan got enough attention. I never missed sporting events, even though Evan was living at the house with a 24 hour nurse there and the stress and um, the emotional stress, the physical stress, the financial stress. Like I was never, 
I, I wasn't subjected to all that as a kid. It, and that was just my world. From when I was three years old, we had a nurse in the house and Evan was at the house and he never walked or talked or breathed on his own, but he could smile and he reacted. And it, it was, you know, kind of more just a reaction to the environment, but that was normal to me as I grew older. And especially now that I have kids and I get to just see how blessed I am to live this life. I live with healthy kids and understand the emotional and physical financial, the, the stress that comes on families just because they have a sick child. It made me want to give back and, and help those out. And so the Evan Wood Fund, it started as the Eric Wood Foundation. We renamed it to the Evan Wood Fund because I wanted to honor him and make his name famous in Buffalo. And so in Buffalo, because all I wanted all the money to stay in Western New York. Jeff Ruby, a famous restaurant owner, told me one time that you should be most generous with those communities that helped you create your wealth. Well, Buffalo, I never had a dime before I got to Buffalo. So I wanted to give back to that area. And people have seen how generous, uh, I'll call it Bill's Mafia, but the community of Western New York is through people's foundations, the Mar Hamlin situation and everything else. And so they've been beyond generous of allowing us to positively impact families and the children uh, that are at Oshai Children's Hospital in Buffalo, Buffalo, New York, that have anything from cancer to there for a weekend because they're sick, we can try to impact those families. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I think it's always inspiring when people take a seemingly less than ideal circumstance and, and find a way to really make it a superpower and, and do a lot of good from it. So, and uh, I, and just I'll, one more thing on that, Nick. So, I gain, I also. As I grew up and, and got older and, and, and more after he passed, I gained a lot more perspective on really how fortunate we are and, and how we just take such little things for granted. And it made me feel less sorry for myself at times. Let's call it a conditioning session in college. And I would think to myself, man, am I really going to complain about running right now when Evan never even got to walk? And, you know, maybe it's a you know, something that you you don't want to go do. It's an uncomfortable conversation. Well, Evan never got to talk and I'm going to complain about this uncomfortable conversation or this big speaking event and prepping for it. And so it, it allowed me to also have different perspective at times, which can be very valuable. Mm, yeah, 100%. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up because perspective is absolutely everything. So that's, that's awesome. Um, second to last question here. You were around a lot of great leaders, uh, yourself included, but in the NFL, you had Rex Ryan as a head coach, you had Sean McDermott as a head coach, a number of different players that you were around. What do you feel like are some of maybe the leadership lessons that maybe you learned from some of those people or and maybe some of the ones that you implemented yourself, but what do you think are some of the leadership lessons that you have taken that you learned from the NFL that you're now kind of applying as a father? Yeah. Oh, I appreciate that. So I actually have formed uh, talks for keynotes around the seven head coaches I played for. So I played nine years in the NFL, played for seven head coaches, two were interim. So really five different full staff. So five different head coaches, what allowed these guys to all in such different ways, raise to the top of their profession and become one of the 32 NFL head coaches. And they're all so different. I mean, you have a Rex Ryan, this big boisterous, but empowering guy. I mean, you want to talk about a young guy walking into a room and Rex Ryan telling the whole group how good he thinks he is and showing highlights of him and just truly building him up and then watching him perform probably better than he should on Sunday because he's playing freely and he knows his coach believes in him. That's powerful. Mm -hmm. Watching a leader like Sean McDermott get to the facility every single day before us, 
workout, stay in shape himself because he's not asking you to do anything he wouldn't do himself. Watch him pick up trash after people in the cafeteria, even though we have staff in the facility just to do stuff like that. But Sean wants to model for everybody this servant leadership that you see from him at all times. And with him, it's just the consistency of it all. And so each so different, but I'll say this, just like when I was a captain for the Bills and a captain at the University of Louisville and, you know, led our offensive line or, and I try to leave my household. I think nowadays there's a few key things and that's with this younger generation, especially people do not care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. You have to build relationships. These, this young generation right now is so used to Facebook likes and Instagram likes and follows and posts that if you're not giving them something to latch on to, they're going to have a hard time trusting you. And so really being able to connect with them personally and then try and prod them. You know, I think a lot of times when we're calling this current generation soft, it's because you're not creating the relationship before you're beating down on them or before you're trying to demand a lot from them. So I think the relationship is key. And I think at all times, being consistent is key in your own life, in your own, how you show up each day and then be yourself. Maybe it's just nowadays that because of social media, we, we don't just take everything at face value because you just see the, the side stories come in and everything's researched and something will blow up on the internet and some secretive, whatever it, you just got to be yourself. I played for head coaches that were yeller and screamers and demeanors. And I played for guys like Rex Ryan that would build you up both successful coaches, both successful leaders, but they were themselves. But the second you try and be someone's best friend, we'll call it a player's coach, but you know, I think you'd be a player's coach and just truly care about your guys, but you coach them hard. Well, the second you try and flip-flop from that to cussing the guys out the next day, that doesn't work. That does yeah. not work, and people will shut down no matter what profession you're in. Yeah, no doubt about that. I love it. No, Everybody can... It's kind of one of the easiest things to sense out, I feel like, when somebody is not acting in alignment with who they actually are and they're showing up very inconsistently and sporadic all over the place. There's no doubt. Yeah, and like as as a health and fitness coach, you don't need to be perfect and you're not telling anyone to be perfect. But if, this is what me and Ben Newman always say, if you look like you just ate a box of donuts before you walked in the room, no one's going to listen to you because you're trying to teach them about discipline and you're not disciplined yourself. Now, you know, I'm down 60 pounds from when my career ended and I've stayed there for about the past five years. And look, I'm not, I don't, I, 80 to 90% of my meals are very clean. And the other 10 to 20% of the time I, I indulge, I still eat like an offensive lineman at times. <laughs> but if I'm going to write a book and personal development, if I'm going to have a personal development podcast, if I'm going to try and spread messaging, I gotta, I gotta look the part a little bit, you know, yeah. I might not be the most fit dude out there, but I, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll joke with people in the personal development space. I'm like, I'm just more relatable than you because I, I do splurge. I, I don't necessarily do the 75 hard, but, yeah. but there are days I live like that. Yeah, no, I got you. I got you, man. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. Well, uh, Eric, before I ask the last question, man, I just want to acknowledge you for a number of different things. One, like I find it really inspiring when you guys were kind of in the maybe the tougher days as, as a bill when you were not making the playoffs year after year after year to still find like a renewed sense of optimism, a new, a renewed sense of hope every single year and kind of finding the best in the team. And then want to also acknowledge you obviously for the, 
main part of your story from being able to bounce back really quickly. I think a lot of people would be able to would just sulk and sulk and sulk for a long time, but you but for you to get back up, be the be a father, a new a father immediately to your new son and then get into the broadcasting world and then start a podcast a little bit later, write a book. Like it's just so cool how you were able to quickly make that forced decision that was forced upon you and and flip it to a positive. So it's just inspiring, man. I appreciate that brother. Yeah, no doubt. Well, you guys need to make sure you go get his book, tackle what's next. It's a absolute gem. Like I said, I read it about four or five days and has a lot of great stories in there uh, from his days in the NFL and a lot of great personal development tips and, and habits and, and habit stacking and so many different great things in there. So make sure you go get Tackle What's Next. Make sure you follow him on Instagram if you don't already at ewood70. And you can go check out his podcast that I mentioned before as, w- as well, What's Next with Eric Wood. Um, but Eric, last question is I think that getting closer to the best version of yourself is a constant journey and a unique journey. I don't think that we ever actually get to that best version of ourselves. And I also believe that the way that I'm going to get closer to the best version of myself is going to be a little bit different than the way that you get closer to the best version of yourself. So the last question is for you personally, if there are three things that you could currently do or three things that you could currently work on to get to the best version of Eric Wood that you could possibly be, then what are those three things that you could currently do or work on? I would say first and foremost would be my quiet time in the morning, which is a gratitude practice. It's some type of digging in on my faith, whether that's reading the Bible or I use the Glorify app, whatever it may be, that quiet time in the morning to really center me for the day, stay connected to the vine. Number two would be the healthiest version of myself that I can be on a daily basis so that I can show up with energy to to pursue the things that I want to pursue in life. And then number three, my my one word of 2022 is the same word of 2023, and that's declutter. So mm-hmm. as I got out of the NFL, I tried many different things. I had many different investments. There's boards I sit on now. Well, all of that takes time away from the things that are most important to me. And so now that I have a more of a clear-cut vision of where I want to go career-wise, health and fitness-wise, faith-wise, and really be ultimately impact my family first and foremost – it's decluttering and really saying no to more things. And look, that's the hardest thing for me to do. I'm a people pleaser and I have been my entire life. And so for me to say no to things and opportunities that at one point in my life, I would have considered once in a lifetime. And so for me, it's that extra golf trip. It's that, you know, whatever it may be that I need to say no to. Sometimes it's a well-paying speaking gig. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it's great things, but there's better things that are out there when you say no to those good things. And so saying no would be the third. Yeah, I love it. That's so important. I think all of us struggle with that to, to certain degrees. And I think one of the things that you really said that was super important for people to be able to extract from that last one is you have more clarity, it seems like now more than ever, on where you want to go with your career, how you want to show up as a dad, how you want to show up in your health and fitness and all these different things. And only when you have clarity on where you want to go, are you able to actually say no? If you have no clarity, then saying no is is nearly impossible. So that was awesome, man. Three great things. Eric, it was awesome. You guys make sure you go get Tackle What's Next. Follow Eric on Instagram at at ewood70. But that's all we got today, Eric. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure.
what an episode with Eric. I hope you all were inspired by him, his story, and the lessons that he learned and that he shared. And I hope you share it with a friend or family member as well. And remember, if you're overwhelmed about what you should eat, if you want to feel more confident in your own skin, and you need a way to satisfy that sweet tooth in a healthy manner, then go get access to my brand new video course called The Three Steps to Losing Fat and Building Muscle at nickcarrier.com for absolutely free. And remember, find optimism somewhere. In all of his days with the Buffalo Bills, when they weren't making the playoffs year after year after year, he always found a way to be optimistic going in to each season, which really kept his work ethic going. Remember that oftentimes blessings come packaged as disaster. Yes, the spinal injury that forced him to retire earlier than he expected, it was an absolute disaster in the moment, but he was able to count his blessings and realize how this actually happened for him and not to him. And I hope you're inspired by him and the story that he shared about his late brother who had cerebral palsy. Find a way to give to those in need, support those who are going through a tough time, and give back to the communities that lifted you up. If you can find optimism somewhere, if you can not let one bad play compound into more bad plays, if you can give back to those who have given to you, you'll continue on the path closer and closer to your best you. 